0: The text for this morning's service is from Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, and verse 27. Of course, the sermon deals with the whole chapter, but I want to draw especially to your attention to those verses. Let's read those again. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. In Verse 27, Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Beloved Congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, the seventh chapter begins a new section of the book of Daniel. Whereas before he spoke in the third person, Now he speaks in the first person. That's because he is now telling us about his own personal visions. He received this first vision, we are told, in the first year of King Belshazzar. Daniel would at that time have been into his mid to late fifties. And so we're going back in history. The book of Daniel is not given in chronological order. That is because now we are given a different type of literature. The previous chapters were mostly historical. This chapter and the following ones give mostly visions. They are prophetic. All scripture is prophetic, of course, but this is a specific type of prophecy. It is heightened and intensified prophecy. For now, God communicates to us through graphic and even frightening images. Why does the Lord God do that? Why does he use such dreadful images? Why does he not just give us the straight goods? Well, that's because he wants us to have, he wants to have our attention. Words so easily pass over us, they go in one ear and they go out the other. Children, if I were to tell you that right now I see a monster coming through the doors behind you, then I would have your attention, wouldn't I? Of course I would. I'm sure that as soon as you heard the word monster, then you picked up your ears. Well, let me assure you there is no monster coming through the doors. I only said that to make you listen and to make a point. And that's also what the Lord God does here with these visions. He wants us to pay attention. And he does that through visual imagery. He pictures for us a gruesome scene. He gives us the frightening images of four monstrous beasts that come out of the sea. He doesn't want to scare us But he does want us to sit up and notice what's going on around us, for there is danger here. He wants to warn us. But at the same time, he wants to comfort us. He wants us to see the danger, while at the same time assuring us that if we stay close to him, we won't be harmed. He wants us to know that even with all the monsters around, that as long as we stay close to him, none of us will ever come to harm. For the Lord God loves us. We are his children. That's what this sermon this morning is about. And so please pay close attention to what I'm going to tell you about these visions of Daniel. I will preach to you about the comforting vision about the superiority of the Son of Man over all men and all kingdoms, as seen in the first place in the dream, in the second place the present, and finally the future. In his dream, Daniel saw four winds of heaven churning up the seas. If you ever have stood at a seashore during a storm, then no doubt that will have left you with quite an impression. It's not something you easily forget. For the churning of the seas is a most amazing spectacle. It is a feast not only for the eyes, but it is a feast for all your senses. The waves, they rapidly change in shape and volume and intensity. But you can not only see it, you can also hear the waves and even taste them. You will hear the deafening sound of the waves smashing against the rocks. And you will also feel the winds blowing moisture into your face so that you can taste the saltiness of the water. But now Daniel tells us that the winds are not just coming from one direction, but they are coming from four directions. From the four corners of the world, from the north, from the south, from the east, and the west. And therefore, this is no ordinary event. It is like something never experienced in real life. As becomes clear from the rest of this vision, the sea represents the the, the mass of humanity throughout history. Peoples and nations and world powers, like the waves of the sea, appear and disappear into the depths, they come and they go. And Daniel sees then four great beasts coming out of that tumultuous sea. They're all like monsters, they're scary, they're strong and intent on destruction. Who is going to be able to stop these beasts? And that is the question that no doubt comes to mind after you read the description of these beasts. However, don't be afraid. Already earlier in the book of Daniel, we have been given an indication as to the fate of these beasts. For in the second chapter of Daniel, we read about the great statue, which was made up of different kinds of material representing four kingdoms. And those kingdoms were frighteningly strong. But then a rock, not cut out by a human hand, destroyed those four kingdoms. And as we saw at that time, that rock ultimately pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so before we even begin to try to understand this vision, we already know that even though these are very scary monsters, we do not have to be afraid of them. And that's good for us to know right from the start, isn't it? We need that reassurance, for this world can be a very scary place. Like the waves of the sea, it can swallow you up and can bury you. And so we need to be reassured at all times that ultimately nothing can harm us. Isn't that true? Isn't that also what a child needs, who is scared of monsters under the bed? Monsters under the bed, of course, are not real. But nevertheless, children need to be reassured that nothing and no one can harm them. The child needs to be reassured time and again by his father and mother that they are always on guard to slay the monster. The monsters in the dream of Daniel are not figments of his imagination. Those monsters are real. Commentators are quite sure that they know what kingdoms and nations and powers these monstrous beasts represent. No doubt, those commentators are correct. However, ultimately it is not so important what time periods or what kingdoms are spoken about, for these four beasts represent the various powers and nations throughout the history of the world. And these are the monsters we encounter today as well. We are told that the first great beast was like a lion with wings of an eagle. There is no doubt, first of all, that the first one refers to the kingdom of Babylon. Babylon had its wings clipped and was destroyed by the next kingdom represented by the second beast which looked like a bear. That bear is being pictured as being ruthless and without mercy, for it has three ribs in its ugly mouth. And it wants to devour all flesh. And that is a reference to the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. And the third beast is like a leopard. This likely refers to the Greek empire, which comes next. This beast had four wings like a bird indicating that it was very swift. It also had four heads, representing the four parts into which it was later divided. The fourth beast is even more frightening. It was different from the other beasts. And no doubt, this refers to the Roman Empire and corresponds to the iron part of the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But it goes further into history. It goes into the latter days, for we also read about ten horns on the beast, and then finally about a little horn that will defeat the ten kingdoms represented by those ten horns. And that little horn likely refers to the Antichrist at the end of time. It says that he had a mouth that spoke boastfully. But then suddenly Daniel's attention is drawn to something totally different thrones were set in place. And it says that the Ancient of Days took his seat. Who is the Ancient of Days? Well, this is not the first time we read about him in the Bible. From those passages and this one, it is clear that this refers to God himself. And that is why it is also given in your translation in capital letters, Daniel gives a description of the ancient of days. Of course, he does this again in symbolic language. For God is not a man like us, but his description is designed to give us some inkling of his wonderful qualities. His white clothing and hair speak of his holiness. That is also how the Lord Jesus himself is described in Revelation 1 verse 14. And Daniel's description of the glory of Surrounding the one seating on the flaming throne with wheels recalls the description of the glory of God, which Ezekiel saw in Ezekiel 1. But don't think that this judge is some weak old man at the end of his life and his powers, for he is also bright and splendid in his appearance. No, the fact that his hair is white like wool refers to his grandeur, it refers to his wisdom. And because of his dignified bearing and his white hair, he is to be honored like an elderly statesman. The fire that issues from his throne and the wheels represent the great and awesome and dangerous power he possesses when he stands in judgment. It is a wonderful and great and awesome picture of God, of God Almighty. And the thousands and thousands who surround his throne represent God's servants. They are angels who execute his will. As in any king's court, he also has in his possession all records of what has transpired throughout his rule. For as we can read, the books were opened. We also read about the opening of the books in Revelation 20, verse 12. When God opens books, that means that he is going to review what you and I have done and to make a judgment. And in this case, he is opening the books of the kingdoms and nations to see what they have done. And on that basis, judge them. Isn't it a great comfort to know, brothers and sisters, that God is the one who judges all men and all nations? For just think about the cruelty throughout the ages. We can read in the Old Testament about the bloodshed and the tears and the pain inflicted upon other nations. There was little or no respect for the lives of others. It was kill or be killed. Not only were the heathen nations guilty, so was God's nation Israel. The history of the world is full of bloodshed. What was true then is also true today. I'm thinking about what's happening on Earth right now at this very moment in countries such as Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, come to the second point. Think about the oppression in the communist countries such as China and Cuba. Think about the oppression of women and children at the hands of ruthless regimes, especially in Muslim countries. And what about the tribal warfare in Sudan and Somalia? And so I can go on and on and on And don't think that cruelty and oppression and lack of respect for life are found only in other parts of the world. The Americans, and that includes us as Canadians, are also ruthless and full of bloodshed. Oh sure, it's not as obvious as elsewhere, but it exists nevertheless. The bloodshed and suppression at home and abroad is supported through foreign policies and corporate greed. Internally, there's also continual bloodshed and cruelty. Think about the thousands and thousands of babies that are aborted every week. The beasts of Daniel's visions are just as real now as they were then. You may say to yourself, well, it's a good thing that we're Christians, and that's true. Nevertheless, your heart and my heart are also full of evil, intent on self-preservation, intent on the suppression of others. That is human nature. That is fallen human nature. That is the way we are without God's spirit. Those are the ways of the sea that crash against the rock, namely the Lord our God. And there needs to be put a stop to it all. After the death of one animal and the dismissal of the others, division the reaches another climax. A further human-like figure appears. But he comes with the clouds of heaven. And so he is a heavenly figure. He doesn't come out of the seas. In other words, He is divine. He is both man and God. And He is positioned between heaven and earth. Wonderful and great things are said about Him. First of all, He is allowed into the presence of the Ancient of Days, of God Almighty Himself. And that shows that he is acceptable because of his holiness and purity and sinlessness. But that's not all. It gets even better. For it says that he was given authority, that he was given glory, that he was given sovereign power, and that all peoples, nations, and men of every language worship him and also that his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away, and that his is a kingdom that will never be destroyed. When Daniel received his vision, it says that he was troubled in spirit and disturbed in mind. Even after he received the explanation of his vision, he is still deeply troubled. No wonder. Daniel still lives in the midst of that sinful world. And furthermore, the Messiah had not yet come. Daniel was at that time living in exile. God's people were scattered among the nations. There was chaos and turmoil all around him. And he himself was at the beck and call of ruthless despots. And yet, how that vision will have sustained him. For now he is given the picture of God on his throne and the assurance that he will establish an everlasting kingdom. It will be a kingdom of righteousness and truth. It will be a kingdom where sin and anything remotely to do with sin has no place. The beasts of the vision were conjured up by God himself. He is the one who took the initiative, and therefore, he is always in control. He is also in control over those beasts. But those beasts emerge from the sea, which indicates their disorderly and threatening nature. But now, look at the Son of Man. He comes from heaven on the clouds. He comes from a peaceful place. He comes from a place where there is no disorder. And he comes in order to restore this creation and to restore man to his original position. For man was created in order to bring order out of disorder. He was given authority over all things, including the animals to which he had to give their names. God gave him the task to rule and to let his glory be manifest over all creation. God gave him the task to let his glory shine. That was the original position of man here on earth. And he will once again carry out that function in perfection as a perfect image bearer of God. So Daniel is also given a picture of the future. And so we are as well. We come to the third point. God is going to make us image bearers of the Son of God who is at the same time the Son of Man. The description in this vision shows us what that image looks like. For we are given a wonderful picture in this vision First of all, in contrast to the eagle lion, that first beast, which was given the heart of a man, he is truly human. And in contrast to the leopard, the authority which is given to the Son of Man is lasting, royal, and glorious. And in contrast to the little horn, which had eyes like the eyes of a man, He is given true glory of a man, as he was meant to be in all his glory. Although Daniel will still have been confused about the identity of that figure that arrives on the clouds, we, of course, know who that Son of Man is. It is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. For he quotes from this very passage, and he applies it to himself. In John 5, verse 27, Lord Jesus said to the Jews that the Father in heaven has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. It is that Son of Man here in this vision. And just before his death, he tells his unjust accusers who asked him whether or not he is the Christ, the Son of God. He says, yes, it is as you say. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Almighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Again, a very clear reference to Daniel 7, verse 14. The Jews also knew exactly to whom he was referring when he was quoting that passage. They were very well aware of that passage in Daniel, but they refused to recognize Christ as the one who would establish God's kingdom, that he would be the one to restore all kingdoms and powers to his Father in heaven, that he would be the one to restore mankind to the position that he had in paradise. Why didn't they want him? Why did they reject him? Brothers and sisters, because of human pride, because of the hatred that resides within man, because man wants to be his own God, because man wants to make his own way in this world, and he will do this by a hook or by crook. He will eliminate whoever gets in his way, and he will boastfully shout of his own greatness, and he will fight for his rights. And in this way, he resembles the beasts that come out of the sea. However, the Lord Jesus, that Son of Man, he can and he does overcome all that evil. Only the Lord Jesus can overcome the turmoil and the chaos that exists in this world. And he did on Golgotha. And he did so without boasting or shouting or insisting on his own rights. He did this by totally rejecting all that is evil. He did it by paying the price for our own arrogance and pride. And now we can share in that victory. through faith. But we have to want to be like him. And By believing in him, we can slay the monster that resides within us and that we see and hear all around us. The monsters are everywhere, especially in our own hearts. And it is the Lord Jesus, who will slay him. It is through his Holy Spirit that we can keep the monsters at bay. And it is only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we can truly have peace. And we can have a foretaste of that peace now already if we truly believe in him and if we do our utmost to reflect his divine nature. At the end of the chapter, Daniel says that he was deeply troubled by his thoughts, but that he kept the matter to himself. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he keep the matter to himself? Well, later on we hear similar words about Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. Right after the birth of her son, she reacts to what the shepherds told her about the angels and what they had said to them. It says in Luke 2, verse 18 and 19, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Brothers and sisters, Daniel was a true believer. Mary was a true believer. They treasured what God told them in their hearts. Brothers and sisters, that's also what you and I must do. Treasure God's word. Treasure what he is going to do. For the same son of man that Daniel saw in his vision coming on the clouds will come again. He will come again on the clouds. And this time, he will restore everything. He will make everything new. Then that vision will see its reality, its fulfillment. The destructive waves will cease, and there will be a calmness and a peace which only now we can begin to imagine. That is the future that God has for us as his children. That's what you and I may look forward to. Treasure it in your hearts and live out of the great hope that God gives us in his word. Amen.